As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Howdy, everyone. Arthur Staple here. Welcome back to No Sleep Till Belmont, your Islanders podcast from The Athletic. Just want to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. One last show with our amazing October guest ho- guest co-host Michael Grabner. Grabs, as always, uh, it's been a pleasure, and we'll make this finale uh, a memorable one for you and for everyone listening. How you doing? Yeah, I'll try to make it a fun one. See what <laughs> we can come up with here, but. Lot to talk about. Yeah, yeah, we've got some good questions on Twitter uh, for the mailbag, which we'll get to at the end. Um, uh, nothing more about breakaways, I promise you. And <laughs> uh, and we have some Islanders wins to talk about. Boy, the the you know feels like we weren't really in a good place the, after the first couple of games, um, but we recorded, and then uh, last week was uh, was a pretty successful week. The Islanders getting seven of eight points. Almost three shutouts for Ilya Sorokin, including one uh, out uh, where you are, Grabs, out in Arizona. So, from what you saw this week, um, it wasn't it wasn't kind of perfect Barry Trotz Islander hockey, but uh, but certainly their goalie stepped up and and uh, really covered up a lot of their mistakes, which is really at the beginning of the year, I imagine, what you want when you're not playing at your best. Yeah, it's definitely a completely 180 from last week we talked about. So. Um, but obviously we talked about last week. We knew that's coming, right? So uh, the goalies kept the goalie kept them in the games. So obviously playing an unreal games, uh, kind of like the the Ranger guy, right? We talked about last week. So yeah. that would give them some confidence going forward here. But yeah, like you said, we you need that as a team. The guy in the in the back, like making some key stops, giving your team some confidence. And uh, I think he. Obviously had an unreal week here. So uh, if they can keep that up with him and then the team's going to start playing more consistent and uh, better up front as well. So I think we saw a lot of the traits of the last few years that made them successful, I think, especially going in late in games when they have a lead, right? It's They just grind you down. They don't make any mistakes. It's like everyone from the top guys to the fourth line guys buying in and or in the third period, being down to nothing, it's almost a guaranteed win. They just, like I said, keep it simple. They don't take any risks. They chip the pucks in. Um, you've seen that. Even when they're not on their best, but if they have a lead on you, it's almost impossible to come back. 
Uh, obviously, it will happen, so don't take my word for it that they will always win when they have a lead, but it's just very hard to come back against the Islanders if they have a 2-3 goal lead going in the third period just because they keep it simple and just they play an unreal team game. Elias Sorokin was obviously the star of the Islanders week. He was the third star in the league for the two back-to-back shutouts he had over the weekend in Arizona and in Vegas. Should have gotten a third shutout against Chicago. They gave up. Islanders gave up kind of a garbage time goal to the Hawks uh, with about 30 seconds left. And he was even pretty good in the overtime loss in, in Columbus. Um, the other guy that I thought had a really good week, especially over the weekend, was Josh Bailey. Um, set up, uh, you know, scored the first goal in Vegas early, which was a, a good tone setter, and then made a really nice little play uh, to set up Matthew Barzell for the for the kind of the insurance goal in the third, and he also had. Uh, an assist and, and played pretty well uh, the night before in Arizona. You know, you you go way back uh, with Bales. Um, I think we've talked about him a little bit too. Is sometimes his perception among the fan base is that it looks like he's not doing enough. But the little subtle play that he made to Barzal, which is just not even really a noticeable play unless you watch the replay where he takes the puck off of Nick Hague's stick along the wall, tucks it behind his back so he's protecting the puck. You know, the, the guy can't get it right onto Barzell's stick, comes off and makes a nice shot. Um, that's the kind of stuff that Josh Bailey does that infuriates people because when it works, it's hardly noticeable. And when it doesn't work, it looks like he didn't try to do anything. It, it, is that how you, you know, when you played with him, is that the kind of, you know, he always seemed to be kind of thinking a few moves ahead. Yeah, I think, like I said, we talked about him before. And that's what he does. It's like he makes plays like this that they go up. not really notice much by fans or people that don't pay attention unless you like replay it and stuff and like look closer and what happened in the play right like i said he's not that flashiest player he just makes smart plays so and you, again when you when he doesn't make a play it sticks out more and like people like pick on it right so that's what i mean like he he is a really valuable asset to them he's been Playing well the last games here, like the one goal he scored was might have been a little bit lucky that got deflected and went over the guy's shoulder to like change directions right in front. But but he'll just be consistent and solid, right? Like um kind of like reminds me a little bit of Francie, right? Like yeah. just just a consistent player. But for some reason, like I said, from early on in his career when he came up when he was maybe too young and people had these high expectations and they're kind of still sticking in people's minds or something. Like it's just like tough to change people. They're thinking about it, right? Like, but again, I have all the faith in him that he'll be a big con- contributor going forward here, and, and he'll have another solid year for the Islanders. Rock Nelson was also kind of you know that that line with with Bailey and Nelson and Anthony Beauvillier had kind of been off to a rocky start. Not not a lot of players had played well in those first two games, but uh, Barry Trotz. Put Josh Bailey up with with Barzal and Kyle Palmieri, um, or rather with Anders Lee, and drop Palmieri down to to play with Nelson and Beauvillier. They they both lines seem to be a little bit better. You played probably with uh, it's hard to count even when just in your Islander days the number of lines. I think uh, you know Barry's a lot different than than Jack Capuano was. Jack seemed a little bit more anxious with some of his lines outside of the top guys. Um, do you do you get? Used to playing with guys, does it matter as you go along? Because you know, in the back of your mind, if you don't perform, you're gonna or there's an injury or whatever. It's just it can be it can be so easy to change things. You can't really, you know, everybody, you know, the people on my end when we go to you as a player and say, oh, there's good chemistry between you guys. Do you kind of like is that a little bit bullshit or is that something that's legit and some and you want to kind of give it a, a little bit more of a run and and rather than switching around all the time? 
Um, I think it's a little bit of both, right? Like, uh, of course, people are, you're gonna you gotta just play with whoever they throw you with, like or the, whatever the lineup is. So, like, you might come to the rink and you have two different wings on your side, it's the centerman and stuff. So, you you know, you get used to switching around lines. But again, to your point, I think it makes it easier if you like have like a certain chemistry between a couple of guys at least right like i've played with coaches that ikea kept two guys together at least yeah. you know and like rotated wings and stuff or like just like on a penalty kill for example right it's, it's easier for me if i play with the same guy all the time knowing what his tendencies are because as players and as humans we have like tendencies or like consistencies that you do all the time so like i know francie or brad richardson who i played with here what they were doing if the puck going this way and okay he's probably gonna do this so it's easier to make reads and like react off guys when you know what they're doing and that comes with playing together like longer right so like you just get used to it by the end of the day you're pros and you just like can play with anyone that's pretty much put on your line so it's a little bit of both i think it's just like uh, makes it easier but at the end of the day does it matter a lot i don't know like you know, I mean, you give it a period and you kind of figure it out as you go. So, um, yeah, it's it, people might have different opinions. Like some players might have different opinions about it. For me, it was like most of the time I played with a lot of different guys and a lot of games were just like, okay, come to the ring. Can you see who you're playing with, right? The, almost, the only consistent part for me was my penalty kill partner usually. So, Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. One of the aspects of the Islanders six games so far is um, the adjustment period for, for Zdeno Chara. You know, he's a guy who is going to go into the Hall of Fame the minute he retires. Uh, you know, he's getting up there. He's, you know, if he plays, I think it's 30 or so, 35 more games. He'll have the most games all time for any defenseman. It's going to be 45 in a few months. He's in ridiculous shape. He looks like he could, you know, wrestle a whole team at once. He's like Andre the Giant almost. But uh, he struggled a little bit, and I don't know if you've noticed that, but you know he he's a guy who's big guy. Um, he's not as fast as he used to be. Maybe he was never that fast uh, because he's so big, but it definitely stands out when the Islanders have some breakdowns if he's out there that it's a little bit of a struggle for him. Um, do you worry about a guy who's who's an older guy uh, adapting to the system, and and how much of an adaptation? I, I always hear. And I'm sure when you went to all your different teams, you know, the systems are essentially not that different. It's just some terminology is different, but there's still an adjustment period. How how long do you kind of give it with a veteran and a, you know, a guy who, like you said, is a Hall of Fame person and a Hall of Fame player? 
how long do you feel like you give a player like that before you have to start thinking about changing some things up? I don't know, to be honest. I think for him, obviously, he's a great player, been a great player a long time in this league. But, you know me, I'm going to give you an honest answer. And I think like, some of this probably has to do with age. Like He's in good shape, but no one can escape time and age, unfortunately. And it seems like he, over the years, he's been getting a little slower, a little less agile, right? So then you add in the new systems, the new players. So that might have been part of it. So I think you would give him a little, a few more games here and see where it's at. but. Eventually, you're going to have to take away the excuse of, of systems in my eyes. Like, like you said, I've played on a lot of teams and the systems overall are, besides minor things, are the same. Hockey is hockey, the X's and O's. You can only do so much with your systems, right? There's like only a certain four checks, certain breakouts, whatever it is. So, um, again, he's struggled a bit and like sometimes that sticks out a little more if the team struggles, right? For an older guy that might not be lost a little bit of speed or his agility. So I think if the team will pick it up, he'll also look better and he can like steady, make it like the, the back end a little steady there. But again, I don't know how much time you give someone to kind of fit in. Um, obviously, they have the leeway of having a great team and uh, even with mistakes, they're going to win games, right? So uh, again, well, I'll be interested to see how that plays out because they have a lot of young good uh, defensemen there they have a good solid team there so we'll see what Barry will come up with in the next uh, few games here and see what he does with that situation yeah they do have a pretty light week this week just a one game on Saturday so perhaps some rest as uh, he goes home to Boston sees his family maybe that helps too um, can't can't discount any of that stuff one of the wins last week was in Arizona like you said that's where you live now grabs you played there the last couple of years of your career that building is basically kryptonite for the Islanders. It doesn't matter how bad the Coyotes have been, and certainly they've had some bad teams over the last decade. It doesn't matter how good the Islanders have been. It doesn't seem like they play well in there. I'm sure you can remember, I think it was Shane Doan had gone, whatever, a thousand plus games without a hat trick, and he had one against you guys somewhere in the mid-2010s. There was another game out there one of the years that the Islanders are really good, either 14-15 or 15-16. I think it was a 6-3 game, and Rob Klinkhammer had a couple of goals for them. Um, yeah, I remember. Not a guy who was a regular NHL player for very long. Um, what is it about that building? Uh, is it, you know, because it's the Southwest, it's kind of like one of those places that you feel a little bit more relaxed if you have a day or two to be out there, out in the sun, whatever. Um, it's not always the most full uh as a visiting you went in there plenty as a visiting player and played there as a home player what is it about that that place that also may not be there for much longer if they're going to get themselves a new arena finally at some point yeah i don't know it's it could be a few things right like you said like team not being a good some teams coming in here thinking it will be an easy game time change right you play like seven which is like 10 like nine ten o'clock back in long island um, it could be a few different things. Um, but personally, like I just had like certain rings where you've just felt better at, or you had like, or you have like this games you always play good at, right? Like for me, it was like Pittsburgh. Like, I love going to Pittsburgh, no matter what team I was on. I don't know what it is about the building. I always got chances. I was scored a lot of goals. Like it just like, I played good there, but it seems like for the Islanders coming here, even this game, like. If they played this way against a good team, they had no chance, right? Right, like exactly. Like the last game. So the goalie stood on his head, they got a couple of goals, and then they locked it down at the end, right? So like it's, they need to win those kind of games. But 
in fact, if you, I don't know, if they go to Carolina and play that way, they probably could lose seven nothing. So, you know, but it's just the way it is. I don't know. I couldn't give you a definite answer here because there's a lot of factors and for whatever reasons, the Islanders just seem to not have their best game here. But again, they pulled out the win and I think that's the most important thing for them. I'm going to pull one of the early questions. We'll get to the mailbag in our last segment, but uh, following on that, uh, what were your favorite cities to go to? Obviously, you mentioned Pittsburgh, maybe not as a city to like hang out in the night no. before, but but as a rink to play in. So give us your, outside of Pittsburgh, maybe your other favorite rink where you felt really good and maybe two of your favorite cities to go and actually like spend a night before the game. Um, yeah, like I said, Columbus, like for some reason I always scored there. So right, like, so you in your head, I don't know if it's just like you have one good game there and it just kind of spirals, but as players, I just know certain teams, even certain goalies you would score against consistently. So like Columbus, I always scored like Pittsburgh. I love playing. I had a lot of chances all the time. Philly in Philadelphia, I got chances all the time, even though they had some good teams. So it's like, it's weird how it works. Like early on in my career, I love Carolina, but then they started playing this like defensive style, just grinding it out. So like it, some of them changed early on. New Jersey, I love playing against New Jersey with the Islanders when Pruder was still there, I was scoring all the time. But then they started like changing the style of play, and then I was like, oh man, I'm playing these guys again, right? Because they're just mucking it up. But yeah, again, it's just I think every player just has those cities that they feel good at. They know they're gonna have a good game, and it's just the way it goes. But for spending time. That's tough. Like, yeah, you always look forward going to Florida. Like, if you're in a cold city, or like, if you know you have a trip in in February, going to Florida, right? Just kind of getting away from the cold, darkness, and gray, and uh, just spending some time in the sun and kind of rejuvenating. And uh, so, yeah, that was more probably most most guys were looking forward to kind of getting out there and having some sun and uh, playing some games down there. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. For our last segment with Michael Grabner, who's been a great co-host this month, we're going to open up the mailbag. You got mail. So we'll start off with this one. Uh, here we go. From Gabe Capozzi. This is a personal one for you, Grabs. Were any of your tattoos done during the season, or did you do them all in the offseason? Very hard-hitting question from him to start off. Oh, no. Hey, I got them done during the year. I would stop it out in... <laughs> The tattoo shop we partnered with Dallin as that was a, a fun fun time there. But yeah, I got some during the season um on days off and stuff. And yeah, like I said, I try to take good care of them with like lotions and stuff so they don't really get irritated on the ice. But I used to get them whenever I had a chance, really. I've I've not had the itch lately, but back then I used to get them a lot. I remember. I remember. You would show up with something new pretty much every few months. What uh, Was there anyone else that was as big into tattoos as you were when you were on the Islanders? Uh, probably not, but we had a few guys getting them, like Haley, uh, Moles got one. Um, there's a couple of guys that did at the time, right, when we partnered with Tattoo Loose and stuff. So uh, 
I just probably took it a little bit to the extreme, but I already had one before. So it wasn't really like something new. Like I have one. I just didn't have a, any reason to get another one. So that, I thought that was a pretty good reason having a kid uh, doing, putting some of his initials and kind of stuff like that on my body. So, and I made it a lot easier with the partnership, obviously. That's good. Yeah. You always got to get in the, the partnership, the sponsor angle. <laughs> and, uh, uh our good friend Jay Cinematic, uh, sneaker designer extraordinaire, asks, uh, "How did he wants to know how to break down the classic Michael Grabner speed? Is it stride technique? Uh, how did you develop that into one of your biggest weapons as a player?" I get this question so many times, like <laughs> over the years, and I don't have an answer for you because, like, I've never had. Um, skating lessons I didn't do really anything specific not that I remember at least like from when I was younger the only thing that I could have contributed to is like I always played with older guys like back in Austria like the guys had school work or whatever people wouldn't show up for practices like we only had like on every team like 18 20 guys right so if a couple guys were missing they were short a few guys so I practiced like with my team with the older team and sometimes with two older teams, I was on the ice three hours a day. Some days when I was younger, trying to keep up with the older guys. So like in my head, I always wanted to beat them, right? Anytime I had a race or even in school, when we did like track and field, like we would run like 60 yard dashes and stuff, anything I did with sprinting, I always wanted to be first. So I think just by pushing myself to be first and like keeping up with older kids, I probably developed all the fast pitch muscles. That's, that's my only guess that i have other than that i didn't have skating lessons i didn't like did anything other than skate and have fun and play hockey so i couldn't really tell you like even when i got older i just worked out in did my normal workouts and had like broad jumps and like fast twitch um exercises but i wasn't really targeting it and was like okay i'm today i'm getting fast i just like tried to maintain my speed and like build on it if that makes sense it does make sense. I had a, a, a similarly related question from uh, Matty Boychuk. No relation, I think, to Johnny. Um, have you ever thought about trying speed skating, like an Olympic-style speed skating? Not really. Like, I've thought about a lot of, like, sports that involve, like, fast stuff, like track and field, obviously, 100, like, sprinting. Like, because I, I was even a fast sprinter off the ice, but I probably had shitty technique, to be honest. Like, because I never had, like, um make like sprinting mechanism you know like it's, it's like different steps of a hundred meter sprint where they start the middle and all these things so like i knew about it but i've never like worked on it but i always still was fast off off the ice so i always thought like what i if i would have been a good hundred meter sprinter if i had like a coach and worked on that technique of it but again that's just like thoughts and my, my main focus was always hockey and that's what i love to do so that's just like fantasizing about random stuff and sports. Well, you got lots of time to do it. We all do that. So, uh, Corey Tuck asks, after you were traded from the Islanders, did you ever think about coming back? Coming back in like playing? Coming, coming back and playing on the island, yeah. When you had a yeah, choice of, of where you wanted to go. Um, yeah, I, I loved my time with the Islanders. Obviously, like I said, it's the team I consider starting my NHL career, even though I played some of Vancouver, but getting your foot in the door and like really kind of starting to become a regular was with the Islanders. So I always have the memories from there and I always um, will be fond of them. So, and it was obviously the team I spend the most time with. Um, it, it, it was always in my back of my mind if I would ever go back there. But again, it's just, 
never happened. And uh, that's also why I still follow them and watch them, right? Like I said, it's, you just always have those ties to to them. And even the Ranger, like, it's just weird how it works out. Like, I'm, I had an earlier an interview today for a book and talking about the draft day, and I was supposed to get drafted by the Rangers, or like, that's where we expected to get drafted by. So, and then I ended up playing for them, I don't know, eight years later. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it is funny how it all works out. Um, JC51, this is a topic that I think you and I talked about, and I wrote a a very long, involved story about the fight night from 10 years ago with the Islanders and the Penguins, which was, as you and I talked about a few years ago, one of the wilder nights uh, that anyone ever had in an Islander uniform. Uh, JC wants to know, was there anything said in the locker room before the game or in the run up to the game? And what was the room like after the game as someone who was one of the few that actually played the whole game and didn't get thrown out? <laughs> yeah. I'm not a, much of a fighter here, but um, I don't know. Like we just treated it as another game to be honest, but obviously we knew we wanted to beat them on the, like in the game, right? Like we knew the tensions was high and the energy was like buzzing from like the, what happened before. Um, but I don't know if we everyone saw coming what actually went down at the end of the day, right? So obviously we 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 were ready for anything, but I think when all this stuff started happening, we were up like six one or something. I don't know what the score was exactly, but and then it kind of started getting out of hand. So um, I don't know if that was part of it because we were already beating them so bad on the scoreboard, and then it just kind of spiraled from there. But yeah, it was definitely a, a game. That was fun to be part of. And obviously, like, I don't know how many years later, still people are talking about it and they're going to still talk about it probably in 20 years from now. Um, because it was just like one of those games that was sticking people's minds for the rest of their lives. So, again, I wasn't much of a fighter. I enjoyed the whole game. I was I was soaking it all in with four guys left on the bench. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it would just be fun to, fun to be part of it. All right. And the last one, this is from Elliot Geller. Give us your favorite line mates that you've had in, throughout your entire career, all your different stops? Like, so line mates to play with, well, obviously, I love playing with France in Oki right on the start, right? We had the, some good chemistry. We talked about earlier chemistry, so we kind of hit it off. Um, and then I love playing with Hazy and Miller in the Rangers. Um, yeah, the, these two lines would probably stick out the most for me just because we had the most success and chemistry as a line. Um, other teams were at Toronto shuffled around a lot. Right? We had a lot of different line mates, same as in Arizona, played a lot of different line teammates and stuff. So most consistent and the most time I spent with a line was probably like France and Oki and Miller and Hayes of the Rangers. So, Well, that's a perfect way to, to wrap it up because we are the Islanders podcast. I now cover a bit of the Rangers. so Yeah, you're getting some uh, heat on Twitter. I know people <laughs> are asking if you're quitting this podcast and all this no, stuff. So you, you open a can of worms there. We're getting you going to, we're going to be going all through the season. So when it gets important down to the playoffs, we're going to have you back on. This is, uh, this has been great, my friend. I appreciate you taking the time out this month, um, kicking off our season of guest co-hosts on No Sleep Till Belmont. We've got some great ones coming up, including uh, an Islander legend coming in a couple of weeks. You too, Mike, are an Islander legend, so don't we don't we can't uh, avoid saying that. So I want to say thank you again for, like I said, taking the time and being part of this. Yeah, thanks for having me again. It was a blast, and hopefully we'll work out on the road again. I'm just a legend in my own in my own way, though. <laughs> 
No, you're a legend here for Islander fans, so uh, I think they're all really happy to hear from you. And I just want to say to everyone out there, thanks for listening to No Sleep Till Belmont. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform to leave a rating and review. If you're enjoying the show, it really helps us out. You can subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. Start with a 30-day free trial, then just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, annual subscriptions to The Athletic are just $3.99 a month. When you visit theathletic.com slash no sleep till Belmont. Thank you again to Michael Grabner. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back again next week.